You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to a special holiday end of the year podcast. This is uh, this is me and Los just talking about the year. Los, how has this year been for you, man? Hey, Tayo, what is going on, my man? Happy holidays to everyone out there listening to Hustle Culture. It's great to be back here. So, like Tayo said, we've got an episode today in which we're going to just chat about looking at the year that has passed and talking about what we're thankful for and kind of some of the ups and downs that we went through. So, for me, Tayo, it was it was a crazy year, my man. It was It was just a roller coaster of a year. Between, gosh, working at three different jobs, moving across the country, you know, I'm going to get into that as we move along. But I got to say, it's nice to be turning the page on 2015, and I am looking forward to 2016. I think more so than I have any other year in the past. You know, I, you know, I can't agree with you more. I mean, 2015, like I've said before, it started with me being in debt, you know, because I was in my final semester of my MBA. You know, I had to figure out how to pay that 20000 grand. I mean, $20,000. And then I was just, you know, finding creative ways to finally get that paid off. But, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's one of those roller coaster years. I feel like 2015 was my most challenging year, but also my most rewarding year. You know, it was the year that I, I really honed in on the focus of what I wanted to do with, with UID media as a, and I really figured out my avatar, you know, because the life of an entrepreneur many times it's, you know, it's never, it's not as many people like to paint it. It's not an overnight success thing. So, you know, I've been working on this platform for, for all this while you, you have all this content, but I never quite knew how to leverage it. So, you know, I, I sort of went through that process and then I was, deciding if I wanted to do something post MBA and go the traditional route, you know, and work with like Deloitte and stuff like that, which I, you know, I could probably still work with later on, but I took a gamble on myself and I, I leaped into this, you know, without a safety net. I didn't see a net. I just jumped and said, Hey, I'm just going to be an entrepreneur. That's not going to necessarily have a steady income for a little bit, but, um, <laughs> it was crazy. You know, I remember the first few months graduating and I kept saying to myself, I'm running around all these meetings, producing all this content, and I am not sure where my next paycheck was. I think I even called you one time. Uh, the others doesn't know. I was like, look, if you have any consultant, any jobs out there, let me know because, you know, I need to figure out how to pay this, pay this rent. But then all of a sudden, you know, things started to, you know, started to pick up a, a little bit. You know, people started to, to notice some things. But it, you know, like I said, it was challenging, but I also learned a lot about myself. I learned about um, really if this was important to me because they, entrepreneurs and mentors always say you, you're going to know if it's important to you if if you know you go through the hard times. And you know, I went through a lot of those, uh, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to stick with this because I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I mean. We can dive into it later on, but that that, you know, that was kind of my year. You know? and, and I think I've never yeah. actually, I think I've never in the time that I've known you and since we've been hosting the podcast, I don't think I've ever asked you this. So most people your age, mm-hmm. they go to school to pursue an MBA with the hopes of upon graduation landing very 
well-paying six-figure job. I know a lot of my friends have gone down that route, even ones that I've, I've met through previous jobs that go back to school. They go back to school because they feel that in order to really get to that next level, whether it's in corporate America or like you said, working for a big firm like Deloitte, you have to have that, that degree that certifies you. Right. So, you know, I'm, exactly. I'm, really, I'm really curious to know, though, why is it that you made the decision after investing all that time and money that you weren't going to go work a traditional job that probably would have paid you a very good salary? Why did you forego that for the path where you're, where you're on right now? I mean, it really started with as told by Nomad, right? My other podcast. I, I had started that um, about a semester into my MBA career, and I fell in love. I have never, I honestly have never felt like any type of feeling like that before, where you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to do. I was having conversations with people from all over the world, and, you know, and they, they were just coming out to share their stories, and I just enjoyed it. You know, but I had people emailing me saying, that story was great. I'm glad you had that guest. The difference then and now is that, you know, you had that safety net of school, right? You know, you could just go back to school. But you know, as the, uh, graduation neared, I really started to ask myself this question. I, I remember, you know, undergrad, I hated my first job. And I promised myself that I wasn't going to do something that I, I wasn't passionate about because I have a limited amount of time on earth. And I have to make sure that that's something that, that you know, that goes to the greater good of the society. You know, I'm someone that, that looks up to people like Oprah and, and Nelson Mandela, the late Nelson Mandela. My, my thing from as early as I can remember as a 10-year-old was always to make a global impact. And I said, I can't make a global impact if I'm not in control of my own platform. If I don't have a platform, if I don't have a voice. So, you know, you know, media was that avenue for me and I really wanted to make it go at it. And I love the, the you know, the low barrier of entry of podcasting and, you know, podcasting has really become um, a networking uh, tool as much as uh, a community for me where, you know, you, you, you build a relationship with the audience, but some of the guests get to become friends of yours, you know, and, and, and those things are, I think, are, are things I wouldn't trade for. And I didn't get a lot of that in my MBA. Um, what I got from my MBA was access to the city, New York City, which like I always say, it's an incredible city. It's the city. It's the media capital of the world. You can stay at a subway and meet someone who knows someone or who just say, hey, just come get a coffee. And that, to me, uh, is what I started to do. I started to make New York my campus um, more and less Fordham. Um, and then, you know, I started to be, uh, I started to see some change. But it was, I, I learned a lot about patience this year. <laughs> for sure i i, I bet me I, I i tell you i can definitely relate to what it's like to to not know where your next paycheck is going to come from especially practicing the art of patience because for me tayo i lost my job on january 5th of this year we came back wow. from yeah we came back from the you know from the winter break if you will after the holidays first day back at work I get called into an office and basically I'm being told, you know what, your position's no longer, um, you know, here. We no longer need you. And here's a couple of weeks pay. And I was on my way. And I tell you, man, that was for me a really scary way to start off the year because as you know, you know, I've got a family and like everyone else out there, you know, debt and bills to pay and whatnot. So to start off your year without a job and not having school to fall back on 
is definitely <laughs> it's definitely scary, man. Honestly, it brought me back to that time back in in 2008 that I've talked about in the past when I uh, was laid off um, for my job in banking. So, fortunately, I've spent the last seven years building a social network, which has really been my safety net to fall back on. And I sent email out the day after I lost my job, along with a video that I put on YouTube. It's actually still my YouTube channel, just asking people for help. And I spent the first two months of this year just grinding. I went all over the country, not only interviewing for jobs, but speaking at events, going to conferences, staying active. In fact, when I was a week after I lost my job, I was in New York, and that's when you and I had initially met. met in person for the first time. So, you know, again, I'm a big believer that regardless of the situation that you're put in, good, bad, or indifferent, we're put in situations in life to see how we persevere. And I think situations build character. And for me, it took two months of just grinding and not giving up, staying active, networking for me to land my job back then, which was an opportunity working for LinkedIn, which uh, brought me out here to the Bay Area. And, uh, You know, I I tell you, it's one of the things I'm most proud of accomplishing this year was landing that job at LinkedIn because for me, it was more than just landing a a, a job at a cool company. For me, it was almost like it was my calling. It was what I had worked for seven years, the previous seven years, not only working for myself, but working for companies, but also networking, hustling, helping people finding jobs, helping people discover themselves through social media. It was all of that effort that landed me that opportunity. So, you know, very similar to you, you know, you go through these situations and, you know, life can be funny. It can be tricky. It it can hand you cards at the most unexpected time. But I think, you know, how you really persevere and work through the obstacles really defines your path long-term. Absolutely. Your story is, 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 is so fascinating because you didn't graduate from college. You, um, and you had three jobs this year. So you didn't go to college. I say this year I have felt like an NBA journeyman. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I feel like um, that's what I, you know, I was saying earlier. I think my real MBA came from you know, my entrepreneurship journey so far. But with you, what's, what's interesting is you know, here you are at the beginning of the year where you're supposed to be thinking new beginnings and you really got a new beginning. They said no more here. I think you were in St. Louis at the time. Um, and, and you had moved from Florida prior and now you were, you know, you, you, you started to leverage the network you had and, you know, that led you to LinkedIn, which at the time was a dream job for you because, you know, you're, you're a social media expert, but you've been teaching people how to use LinkedIn for a long time. And now in a circle of life way, they come and hire you. And all of a sudden you get the job that you thought you wanted and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> you leave another job. Why, why did you leave? You know, so that was one of the things that uh, that I wanted to talk about. You know, throughout this episode, Tyler and I have outlined. You know, where are the things that we're that we're most proud about accomplishing? But then, where are the where are, you know where are the two things that we could have done differently? We would have done. Where are some of the things that we're, we're not so proud? And you know, honestly, I, I've got to say that for me to go in a period of four months from landing my dream job to leaving my dream job. You know, there is a big lesson to be learned in there. And, you know, a lot of that lesson has to do with just my, myself internally. And, 
you know, really valuing each opportunity for what it is. And, you know, I, I could go on for an hour on this, on this episode. I'm not about, you know, what I could have done differently at LinkedIn, what worked out, what didn't, you know, but I want to say this, you know, it, it, all in all, it's a great company. I'm fortunate for the experience. I'm thankful for the opportunity I was given because not a lot of people can say that they've worked for their dream job. Not a lot of people can say that they've worked for a company like LinkedIn. But you know, Atayo, it's just one of those things that you think that when you get to the top of the mountain that you have reached the pinnacle of your success. And for mm-hmm. me, getting to LinkedIn, arriving there, felt like it was just that. I felt like, you know what, I've made it. But I will say this, anytime that you think that you're at the top of your game, there's always going to be people coming after you, coming after your head. And, you know, it's unfortunate to say, but that's that's one of the things that, you know, I, I felt really was working against me in the short time I was there. You know, people, you know, I've actually documented this before, so it's no secret, but, you know, people taking jabs at me through social media, people that I thought were friends, uh, you know, there's there's a rap song out there. No new friends, no new friends. You know, people <laughs> that you, people people that you thought that they were your friend, loyal to you, man. And then they dog you behind your back because they're envious and jealous. And you know, it's so funny, man, because I make these these comparisons to the social media game and the rap game a lot. And it's so true, man. You've got just people out there don't want you to be successful. So you know, honestly, in the in the four months I was at LinkedIn. You know, I I don't think I really gave it the best shot that I probably could have because there's just so many outside distractions. I think that's one of the things I learned a lot moving on from that experience is you got to block out the haters, man. You got to focus on doing you, you know, whatever your goals are in life, whatever your priorities are, you really got to focus on, on being the best you that you can make as much of a positive impact in the lives of others. And you know what, man, F the haters, they're always going to be there. And, uh, you know, I got to say, I'm at a much better place in my life today than where I was four five, six months ago. And a lot of that has to do because I have a much more clear mind and because I have decided that, you know what, the only person out there that controls my happiness and controls my success and my destiny is me and it's God. And uh, as long as I keep that in the forefront of my mind, there's, there's not really nothing else that's going to stop me or, or take me off my game. You know what? What I heard there was the pivot. You learned how to pivot and you were brave enough to pivot. And I brought that up. Is be, the reason I brought that up is because everybody talks about, you know, dream job, dream job, dream job. You get yours and sometimes it's not – the reality doesn't meet the dream. Um, but what then becomes the crossroads for you to take is are you going to take the road less traveled is where you leave or you stick it out and um, just tell yourself that what will people think? I'm, I'm crazy. Why am I leaving this job? So – I I I I wanted I wanted you to talk about that because it was I think it's cool for the audience to get to see that you know you you know uh, you know this is someone that's been talking to them for the last four months since we hosted the podcast and you know that you even have these problems you know where you think like <laughs> ah what are people gonna think or or what am I gonna do but what's great about what you did is that I think maybe you learned it from your prior you know jobs is you needed to focus on you what was best for you. And the distractions that you described were just other passions you were discovering that you were you were falling in love with, and you needed to explore that. And that's very important. You learn how to pivot. Yeah, you know, pivoting is important. We've talked about that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned it, Ty. We've talked about that with I think almost every person that has been a guest on Hustle mm-hmm. Culture since we started this several months back. And pivoting is so important because you you never know where you're going to find yourself from one day to another. It's 
it's so true. You know, I've gone through so many highs and lows, like so many people out there, not only losing jobs, but when it comes to money and, you know, different opportunities and situations. And again, you know, how you learn from those circumstances and how you bounce back is really critical. So things happen, you know, with me when I left LinkedIn, don't get me wrong, a lot of people asked me what happened. Gosh, for months, it almost seemed like the text messages and emails and Facebook huh. messages would never end. And honestly, it was one of those things I was just, I was like ashamed to talk about. And and now looking back, I have no I have no issues talking about it because I've I've accepted. You know what? For the rest of my life, I will be able to say that I made it and I fulfilled my dream job. For me, that was making it to the major leagues. But you know what? My 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 job, my purpose in life is not to be stagnant. It's not to be just on the top of the mountain, like I said before, at that dream job. My purpose is to really be out influencing, helping, inspiring, educating, motivating as many people as possible. And as long as I have an opportunity to do that, I'm good. And, you know, everything else will, will fall into place and work itself out. Yeah, no, and I love that you said that. Speaking of pivot, I mean, I had to go through the same thing. I, one of my most monumental moments for me this year was was when I decided to go to a conference. Uh, it was called the Next Gen Summit. It was for millennials by millennials. One of my good friends, Justin Lafazon, um, he really wanted to put a conference out there that millennials ran. He used to think is nineteen. <laughs> wow! So he just make me feel like I'm 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 slacking as a twenty six year old, but um. <laughs> He he put out this conference, and I remember feeling, you know, I was really low at that time. I was like, I'm still trying to find, figure out if I should even be an entrepreneur, get this job. Uh, I mean, it kind of sucks, but I guess I'm just going to go to this conference anyway. And I went there, and I can honestly say that that changed my whole perspective on, on, on everything because I just saw the importance of having a community of people that were going through what you're doing. Here I was with other millennial entrepreneurs who felt the same things I felt, but we were able to commune and talk about the setbacks. And it motivated me and it inspired me to just like, you know what, build more relationships with these people and actually challenge myself. So from that conference, I met other people, high school people who were like looking up to things that we had done. And I had taken what I had done for granted because they were saying, Look, I've seen what you've done, Tyler. This is great. And they came up to me asking like 20 million questions and they put things in perspective for me because I was like, what I have to find the success is 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 not what I should have defined. I, I'm look at the impact that I'm making here for these little kids that are reading the stories or listening to podcasts. And I'm here talking about how with granted money is important. You need to figure out how to pay your rent. But I was having a, such a bad mindset that it was letting it was affecting my work. So I needed to learn how to just lean in that community ask for help and build more more relationships. So after that conference, I uh, you know, I started a mastermind group with with two people that I really connected with over there. You know one of them, Roberto, Roberto Blake and uh, this guy called Mina Salib and we've you know over we've done it almost every Sunday now and it's been so great. And it's something I always like to tell the hustlers out there listening is is find people that can challenge you, find people that that can motivate you, find people that can keep you accountable. Um, and also Pivoting is not does not mean that you dream filled. I had to pivot because uh, I, I initially started trying to be elite daily, mm-hmm. and then I realized that I was better at podcasting and telling story than a lot of people were. So I needed to focus on that and tell that story, even though it wasn't what I initially envisioned. But I that was a way that I could do that. So you know, building that community of people where you you can 
lean on, tell stories, but also people that can challenge you and push you and not allow you to, to feel too sorry for yourself for too long is so key. Um, and the other thing that relationships have done for me is it's they've parlayed into other introductions to stuff like that. Because if you don't put yourself out there enough, you're never going to know. Um, you know, no one's ever going to know how they can help you, <laughs> really. Because yeah, you never no, know. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, there, there's a couple things in there that I really wanted to to go ahead and pick apart. But the thing that you just said that about, about helping others, I can't tell you how many times that I have reached out to someone and I offer my help. I say, you know, hey, how can I help you? And actually, you know, to take a, a few steps back, we're in a conversation. They're telling me all these things that they want to do but it doesn't seem like they really have a plan to get them there. And I'll, yeah. at that point, ask, well, how can I personally help you? And you'd be surprised, Tayo. I don't know if this has happened to you. People will flat out say, you can't. Or I don't know <laughs> how you can help me. And I think that is such a mistake that people make because if you are going to open up to others, again, the value of having a social networker, forget social media for a second, the value of having a network of people to turn to should be for help. Let's put pride aside, okay? But if you are networking, it's not just about selling product to people and getting money out of people, but it's about giving them help, but also knowing how to ask for help. And yeah, yeah I think that's one thing that, that a lot of us need to work on. And I say us because, you know, sometimes I'm guilty of doing that as well. Oh, I'm, you know I'm guilty. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably the one you're even talking about with this because I'm the one that's – I'm the worst one at asking for help. No, no you, weren't, you weren't the one that was – you weren't the one that I was referring to, but but you know, yes, Tayo, you are very humble am, as well. But you know, I'm guilty of this though. I'm very, I am the worst at asking for help. I have some ridiculous idea that like me asking for help is is such a bad idea. It makes me look like less, and it's like ah, uh, I got to figure it out. Uh, honestly, but you're right, dude. You know? I think that's an age thing, and I'm not that much older than you, but I, I'm the same way. I'm very selective with letting people in. And yeah. that's actually one of the things that that this podcast has helped is it's really helped me to open up more, which it feels much more fluid to ask people if I need help. And there's other people out there, though, that flat out they'll tell you, you know, I don't think you can help me. And I dislike when people say that, again, going back to my point, because if you are going to essentially cry on someone's shoulder – but then you're going to say to them, to their face, you can't help me unless you're asking someone to give you thousands of dollars or you know, provide monetary support. You know, If you're basically in need of somebody you can bounce ideas off of, an introduction, for example, then why would you tell someone, I don't need your help? And the second thing that I heard from that is, is focus. So many times, again, I'm going to blame it on maybe just, maybe just being an H thing. You know, I'm guilty of this too, but so many of us, we will look at what other entrepreneurs or other people are doing on you know, social media because it's in your face. And what I mean by yeah. that is this guy's driving a nicer car. This woman you know, is speaking at this event. And, you know, people show what they have. And you know, I, this is one of the things I'm going to be working on more next year. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But – Focus more on you. Focus more on what you can control and not what others are doing. Instead, focus on what you can be doing. No, I absolutely love it. I always say um, 
you know, learn how to be the best version of yourself. That that's 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 something you you are. Everybody knows at this point. What my mission statement is: I close out the show with this all the time. Use your difference to make a difference, and it's it's because I really feel like if we become society of trying to be like the next everybody else. You know, I I'm the biggest Oprah fan. I Nelson Mandela is like I feel like is my second father, but. You know, I would never try to be like them. I take a lot of things that I model from them. You know, I, you know, my passion for media comes from people like Oprah. I've always loved telling stories and done doing that stuff. And Nelson Mandela is an African. You know, it was the father of Africa. I just I admire what he did in uniting people, and that's what I do, communicating across cultures. But I take things from those from those people and say, you know, this is what I want to do. But I can't be that person. Um, and I think it's something that we need to focus on in 2016 because it's like you know, it's everybody says. Wow, this person is doing this, and I the the thing the danger of that is that on social media it's selective. People only show you the best version of themselves, yes. or most of the time, at least. So if you fall into that trap where you feel like this person always has it going, you are going down a dangerous trap. Um, <laughs> that could be potentially dangerous for yourself because you then you get into self esteem issues and you, you don't. Worry about how to grow, uh, which is what I think you're trying to get at. But um, yeah, no, that's focused for me. I think people should do that. I think it's something that, uh, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out, is, is something that our generation is uh, unfortunately, is unfortunately being inflicted with, where we want to know what everything's going on. I, I think sometimes FOMO can uh, take away from our focus uh, because we feel like we're missing out if we don't get the next car, we don't get this tool, we don't have that, you know, cool gadget. And, um, I just think you need to know yourself and know if that's something that's important to you. So absolutely. So you know, you talked about about mentorship and you touched on relationships. So let let's expand on that for a moment. You mentioned Roberto Blake and the mastermind group that you guys have on Sunday, and I agree with you. I think mentorship and relationships at the core should be any entrepreneur or business professional's focus. Surrounding yourself with the best people. I, I call it your bench. So again, like yes. you know, we're we're roster. Yeah, it's your roster. We're fans of basketball. So I look at it as you're the coach, you got your bench, and you got the people that you're gonna turn to, okay, going into the fourth quarter to ask for help or to go ahead and help you out. So let's talk specifically for you, Tyo. Who would you say are two to three people? that made a difference in your lives this year and, and be specific as to how and why they did it. And they can be, they can be celebrities. They can be people that you interact with on a daily basis, people that you met through social media. Do a little mm-hmm. name dropping for us, my man. All right. All right. First of all, I just got to listen to Drake. So, cause I got a really big team, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about mentorship. <laughs> And, you know, Drizzy's talking about that. So <laughs> my team, my mentorship, I, I, you know, one guy I would mention for sure is um, uh, Rob Kingins. He was the guy that gave me my first job right outside of, uh, right, out, right, right as soon as I got out of, yeah, undergrad. So that was 2011. Wow. Um, and what was crazy about it is that I remember working for him. He was a CTO at the, at the time of the small software company. And. You know, I just admired his work ethic. He was like the second youngest person there. And he was Canadian. We just sort of bonded over basketball and stuff. But I remember he was different from everybody else that was working there. And I, I just said, you know what? I want to just stay close to this guy. I like what he's doing. Um, and then, uh, you know, a year into uh, into it, he got an opportunity to be a CTO at eCornell. So he left. And I remember feeling really <laughs> sad. And I was like, man, 
I lost my guy, but he went to New York. And it was because of him that I came to New York. I was like, I wanted to, um, yeah, to came to New York to catch a game because I love basketball. I came to New York to watch the, the Heat and the Knicks at a time. LeBron was at the Heat there. And I said, hey, we'd love to grab coffee with you if you're there and also check out Cornell uh, because I might be, you know, might be somewhere I could get my MBA at. And then I remember coming to the city and completely falling in love. That was when I fell in love with New York City. And then everything I, I knew then I was going to quit my job and I knew I had to come to New York City. But he was someone that would always pick up, would always answer when I called. He would always tell me, like, you know, Ty, you need to work on your focus. He would always keep me centered. And especially this year when I was finishing my MBA, he would be like, um, you know, Ty, I've gone through what you're going through. This is what you're going through. Uh, and you keep me accountable. It'd give me like assignments to do. You know, come up with a pitch. Come up with that. And, you know, I, I remember being frustrated this year because I felt like he was giving me more work than actually telling me what to do. And But there was a method to what he was doing. He was trying to get me to realize what my focus was. Because I, I initially asked him for help. It's like, yeah, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, Rob, you're supposed to tell me what to do. But he was like, no, you have to know. You have to come from that. So he challenged me unlike anyone else. And then I finally came up with the network of podcast idea. Then he was like ready to really listen and hone in on that. So um, Rob King is for one. And another is... Uh, Sasha uh, Reed, who is the first person that actually invested in me monetary, she 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 listened to a podcast episode for me on, and reached out to me on Twitter and said she had never uh, realized that she was a, t- a third culture kid or someone identified several culture kid until she listened to my podcast. And then I, you know, she identified one episode. I made an introduction to that, but. Uh, but wow, she was, I, I was like so intrigued. I was like, hey, you know, thank you for doing that. I hope the introduction that I made worked out for you. And it did. And she just kept, you know, we just kept in contact. And um, like you, she came to New York City for a visit, you know, because she's got a lot of business. And we just met and she was like, you know, I like what you're doing, but I need, you know, this is what you need to start doing to get to where you need to be. And she just took a liking to me and she would check in on me. Um, and I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know if I would be here, honestly, if I didn't have like those two support because they were, they were constantly telling me what you know, they, you know, they're older than me and they're telling me this is where you've been, this is why you need to do that, and they got me to open up more. You think I'm very private right now? I was even more private before because they were like, you thought you got to open up more, you got to talk to the audience more, you got to put out more stuff on Facebook and stuff like that, and let people know your pain points. Um, so they were really instrumental in that. So those two people for me, Rob Kings and Sasha Reed for me for sure uh yeah one was an intentional mentor that i asked for and one was an unintentional mentor uh that ended up becoming a mentor so yeah wasn't mine you know it's it's great hearing that because mentorship is important especially for for guys our age so tayo's 26 i'm 32 uh, but you know, for guys our age and ladies too, let's not forget about the ladies. It's really, ladies, ladies. <laughs> it's really important to have mentors. And what's funny is I've I've never actually reached out to someone and said, you know, hey, will you be my mentor? So what's great is when you build these relationships, there's just like this this unspoken respect that's there that you start to really look up to someone and. You know, my, my list is a little longer, but there's three gentlemen that really played a huge role um, earlier on this year for me. And, and their names are Dave Henry, Mike Fisher and Paul Chibe. And all three of these gentlemen 
are executives at a very high at very high levels and much older than me, much wiser, much more successful. And those are those yeah. are the people that I, I really respect and admire because they've already walked the path of success that we aspire to walk. And when right. I was living in St. Louis, unemployed at the beginning of the year, and I was debating between LinkedIn and then there was another company in the mix in another state. You know, these are the guys I turn to a lot. And uh, again, I, I call it the bench. And this was like, you know, the GM, the president and the owners of the team that I was going to for, for advice. And um, outside of those three, outside of those three guys, <laughs> They need a really nice thing. Sorry, that's the rings. You call you bench, championship bench. But outside of those three guys, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but, no, uh, no worries, you know. man. So, so outside <laughs> those, outside those three guys that I had mentioned, you know, someone that was really influential, and I want to give him his due is uh, Coca Sexton, who works for LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And Coca, um, I, I respect and admire a lot. He took a chance on me at LinkedIn, and it's something I'll forever be grateful for. And, you know, in the time that we worked together, Coca was just real with me. He was he was a real dude, would would tell me things very bluntly uh, that I probably can't repeat here on the podcast. <laughs> but we would have just very open conversations. And he's someone else I looked up to a lot and, and was really thankful for his words of wisdom because it's, it's helped me out tremendously in the second half of the year, especially working at a new new company. Um, you know, a lot of the things that he and I would talk about, you know, I, t- I took with me onto the next. And I guess that's, that's really the moral of mentorship, right? As you take people's advice yeah. and you have an option of what to do with it. You can either disregard it or you can apply it and put it to work for you. And another person I want to recognize is actually you, Tayo. You know, you played, a, yeah, you, my man, you played a very big role in my life and my career this year. Because podcasting was one of those things I always wanted to have a podcast, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to launch one. And when you and I connected, because again, this is like serendipity. Let's analyze this for a moment. You had reached out to me because you had just graduated and you were looking for work. And around that time, Blab had come out and you and I connected through Blab. And then it was after a Blab where you called me and we started talking about collaborating and doing a show together. And from that, hustle culture was born. And now we have this podcast that's on iTunes. We have a community of people that listen to our shows, that have left reviews for us. We're doing a great thing with it, but it would have never been possible had it been for that outreach coming from you to me. And for that, my friend, I thank you because not only do we have this podcast, but now I'm doing another podcast, Social 545, and podcasting has just put my personal brand on a whole nother level. And again, I gotta, I gotta just say thank you because it wouldn't have been possible without you. Man. I, well, I mean, you're very welcome. You put me on the spot. Man. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember that day very vividly. I remember thinking that you actually came up with the, the name for those listening. It was Carlos that came up with culture. We were just, we we're brainstorming and I can't remember the other names, but we, I just remember hustle culture sticking um, I but, forgot uh, the other yeah. names now, you know. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the other names too. But yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's my pleasure. I, you know, I've, I've loved it, and I, I honestly feel like podcasting is it's, it's a tool to build a community, but also a way to just to teach. I, you know, just be like that class of 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 uh, knowledge and to help change the world. 
Real talk, so, though. I, I just got thrown right in there. I think we're doing a great thing as well. Also, I'm glad, dear. Good. I, I just got to say, real, real talk, I got thrown in there. Drake, you know, since we're going to stay on rap, he's actually been an influencer on my life this year as well. Drizzy? Drizzy. <laughs> okay. T- t- tell us, tell us out, Mr. Drake. Aubrey Graham has been an influencer in your life. No, no. I, from the standpoint of you know being being a fan of the hip hop game and mm-hmm. going through situations in life, listening to lyrics of Drake's has has definitely had a positive influence, not a negative influence by any means. But you know, right. just hearing guys like Drake talk about their struggles coming up, you know, to where they're at is like I said before, man. Just I make the connections from, you know, from where I've come up throughout my career. And, uh, you know, it's nice being able to somehow relate to someone else's successes. I agree. Uh, you know, for me, it's LeBron James usually and, and Oprah. I, you know, I spend a lot of time when I'm a fan of someone, you know, Justin Timberlake as well, I forgot to say. When I'm a fan of someone, I'm not a fan just because of, of the game or what they work at. I'm a fan of the process they put into it. You know, you know, I was listening um to oprah's masterclass and i was listening to justin timberlake as uh who's my favorite uh artist period i mean i listen to i love hip-hop r&b kendrick is my favorite rapper but uh, you know but my favorite artist period uh in terms of totality is uh justin timberlake and i um i listened to him say something he was talking about how he focused on being you know the different person that he was he talked about when sexy back came out and he had to convince people <laughs> that that was his record because I remember he had just left NSYNC, which was the biggest band at the time. They had sold 2.5 million records, and he was doing his own thing. And then he said, you know, he wanted to release this. He thought Sexy Back, you know, was, was kind of his thing. And he had to convince me people like, are you crazy? What is this? This doesn't even sound like you. And then he had an argument with the guy, the label president. And then, and, you know, they even said, okay, we'll put this there, but we're going to have another video just in case, two weeks time, because this is going to bomb. And Sexy Bag just went out to break like all records at the time. But he said it was so important for him to take that gamble himself. And he felt that even though this was like your LinkedIn story, he felt that even though it was at that pinnacle, biggest band, he needed to grow. Um, and he did that. And I, I just, you know, that kind of stuff is what I admire. I admire like LeBron going through the difficult times. And you see the work he puts in every time. Whether it's the haters, they say, you suck, you choke, you left the Cleveland. But then you come back, you, you look them up. You know, you've been to the finals six times now. You've won twice, but mm-hmm. you just put in the work. It's so easy to give up when you you reach, you spend nine months to reach a season, and then all of a sudden you lose. You know, but he came back and he did it again. So those that's what I look for when I when I when I look at uh, you know people. Oprah when she left the Oprah Winfrey show, own network didn't succeed at first. She, in fact, it bombed. I mean, she was listening to people saying she was, "Why would you do this? You're not ready to run a network." And then she focused on what she wanted to do, which is tell the right, whether it's, you know, Oprah's masterclass, Soul Sunday, whatever she was good at is what she focused on. Um, and she's carved out her own niche. You know, she didn't have to be something else. So it's I, I, I admire people that that whether they're famous or not. But you see sometimes when you're late. So, you know, Aubrey Graham, Drake. That's that's good. I can see that for sure. So, so we've gone. We have gone. On he did. Podcast. He did knock out that. No, I was gonna say he did knock out, you know, or uh, you know, the Philly rapper. You know, <laughs> was that Meek, Meek Mill? Big Meek Mill. 
Meek Mill. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, but go go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just good. gonna say we've gone from talking about MBAs to LinkedIn to Drake, Oprah, Justin Timberlake on the Hustle everywhere, Culture man. podcast. God love it. You find inspiration from everywhere. You find inspiration from everywhere, and that's what we we need to tell everyone. Well, that, you wherever you wherever your artist is, yeah, wherever your artist is. You could be like this, you know, a kid without, and you think you don't have any inspiration. I always say, get mentorship from afar. I was listening to Eric Thomas and uh, Les Brown this morning. Those are my mentors this morning. You know, <laughs> you know th- that's what you have to do. Even if you you think you can't make an, get an introduction to a, an executive, you've got the internet. Yeah, I'm gonna give you another. I'm gonna give you another rap reference here in a minute. So I woke up this morning and saw that. Uh, a guy that we've spoken about on the show quite a bit, Gary Vaynerchuk, just started yeah. a new YouTube channel today. He's starting from the bottom. A guy who has 136,000 subscribers on YouTube and does his daily show is starting up a new YouTube channel with new content. And when I went on to his channel, his new channel, he has a video that's talking about does he like East Coast rap or West Coast rap? Talking about topics that had nothing to do with social media or with business or with marketing. And, and, and again, what I see from that is a man who, like many of us, is reinventing himself, constantly oh, yeah. evolving with the times and widening, broadening his reach. So from that title, let's transition into what are one to two things that you would have done differently this year if you could do it all over again. So they say hindsight is twenty twenty. What are maybe some goals that you missed out on, or what are some things that you didn't get a chance to do that you would have liked to have done? Uh, one of my biggest failures this year was launching uh, uh, a platform of, e- of courses, online courses. You know, I put so much time into that, um, and I even I ramped up the production, got videos to 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 lead up into the <laughs> the uh, the actual uh, launch. And um, when the launch day came, zero sales. Two weeks later, zero sales. Three zeros. It was like I got like six people I had convinced. But you know what I, I learned and what I would have done differently is that I didn't have. I was I started too early. I, I you know I wanted things uh, before I needed to go through the process. I thought automatically because I had a podcast that was going to be able to um, uh, to garner an audience without actually engaging with them, which is very important. Whenever you want to build a business, you've got to talk to your your audience and see if this is something that they want. I just assumed <laughs> that they wanted it, um, and I learned a very valuable lesson there because it was very public. But I, you know, I, I don't get a I try not to get ashamed um, because I just think it's part of life. But I remember feeling like, man, I just convinced six people to come on a course, and I haven't sold a single course. And I just started learning not to talk to the to my audience more. And ask them questions, engage with them, do more videos, and be open about failures. Um, and I've talked about this, and I was told by no one to talk about the failure. And you know, I got a few responses. They're like, "Yeah, you know, that's pretty cool that you said that because now we know more about you." But always ask what your target market wants, or at least get a better idea of what they want before you assume. Uh, so that's one. So that's, <laughs> that's so. That's so I was going to ask you, what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, it's not to assume. I mean, I, I just thought I had it. I was seeing myself as the avatar. Um, and I just figured, yeah, because I want this, they want this. And which is just the wrong way, especially if you're building a media company. 
Um, you, can you imagine you carrying a media company of content that only you, you want and not what they want? <laughs> so that that's what I learned. I, I learned how to be to be more open to my audience. I learned how to ask for them. I learned how to um, even after that, I learned how to be open about failures uh, mm-hmm. because when I was open about it, I got even more tips and people come out the woodwork to say, hey, I could have helped you out with this. This is something I could have done with that. So, um, yeah, my two biggest lessons were to learn how to be more open to the audience, but to learn how to, to, to en- uh, engage, but also learn how to ask for help. So, you know, you mentioned the word failure, and honestly, I really don't believe in such thing as failure. I think there's times, sure, that you go through life and things don't work out, but it's not necessarily a failure if you look at every circumstance as a learning opportunity. So that's why I asked you, what you learn from it? Um, the embarrassment part, that, that really sucks. Uh, believe me, I've been there before, <laughs> but you know, as long as you learn from something from it, you didn't really fail. And the only thing that you lost was time, but you gained so much more from the experience and what you learned from it. That's going to just make you that much stronger and carry you on to, you know, to the future. And if you go down the path of creating a, you know, e-learning series, at least, you know, let me pull my audience first or let me make sure that there's a market for this before I invest time and money and resources. No, absolutely. You were so right. I mean, that's what that's what it really is about. I don't say failure isn't a bad thing. I, I, I'm i a most firm believer in having no regrets. You know, I'm one of those people that says, you know, everything happens for a reason. But I, I mean, fail forward. You know, that that led me to, you know, to realize, you know, what I was good at, what I'm not good at and what I should focus on. Um, but, you know, that being said, what about you? What, what are the things you've learned? You know, for, for me, it was, uh, you know, really make the most of opportunities that are given to you. So I talked about it a little earlier in, in this episode. You know, for me, between moving around the country and changing jobs, there was a lot on my plate going into the year that I wanted to accomplish that I, I didn't get a chance to. And some of those goals were, were publishing books, speaking at perhaps more conferences, and most importantly, mentoring others. And you know, in the second half of the year, I had an opportunity to go ahead and you know get kind of back to my roots of you know mentoring others, and you know spoke at a couple different conferences. You know, but I, I think the op- the thing I learned the most was just that make the most out of the opportunities that are presented to you. So I would have probably made more out of the opportunity at LinkedIn. And you know, granted, I was there a very short period of time. Uh, but you know, I think I would have probably just gone to work if I would have had a crystal ball knowing I'm only going to work at this, at this company for a very short period of time. I think I would probably maximize every day as I possibly could and, and operate like it was the last, but you know, again, hindsight's 2020, um, the other aspect where I, you know, again, the first half of the year started doing it and then things kind of got derailed was I would have liked to have met more people. So I thrive off of meeting people and that's what's great about social media is you build these relationships with people online and then you can connect offline like you and I did in New York earlier in the year. So, uh, you know, I I would have liked to have done a little bit more travel uh, throughout the year and met more folks, shaken as many hands. And uh, if I would have done things differently, I think the last thing was I would have blocked out the haters from day one. Just, uh, you know, block them out and, uh, you know, I probably would have been much happier if we can say at many times throughout the year. Um, you know, that just reminded me of something that I also learned. And that's great to share that. I would have taken more people out to coffee. I didn't take advantage of New York City as much as I should have. You know, I talk about New York City all the time, but um, 
I was a lot shyer. And I'm not usually shy. I was a lot shy about asking people that I felt like were in executive positions uh, advice. It was, it was very odd. I, you know, I, you know, I would look at the LinkedIn profile and I would just like freeze when I type a message and say, "Nah, it doesn't matter." <laughs> and I kept doing that. Um, I felt like I, you know, I, I, I didn't take advantage of New York City or something. Uh, but um, I've started to do that, and you know, I've started to see the results. Which is why I feel like if I had done that early in the year, um, I would have learned a lot more. But, you know, like you said, everything happens for a reason. I honestly think I needed to go through that process to learn about the importance of, of building a community, learn about the, uh, the importance of, of opening up being vulnerable, and also learn what it truly is. You know, I, I don't think if I had been that overnight success that I would have learned anything because then what if I'd become so successful and then I had failure for the first time, I feel like I would have reacted like a petulant child. So no, you're, you're exactly, you're exactly right. Like that's the flip side. You can have success early on in your life or early on in your career, but if you don't encounter failure early on, you're going to, at some point, that's, that's just a reality. And again, I don't yeah. like the word failure, but you are going to encounter shortfalls at some point. So I would almost rather deal with that early on in life so you can get over it and you know how to deal and how to move on than much later on when you have seen that pinnacle of success and you don't know how to pivot. Absolutely. Um, that, without a doubt. Um, so what about things you're, you're proud of? What are you most proud of for the year? You know, I, I'd say what I'm most proud of is um, – you know, is where I'm at today, actually, in this point in time, having you know, a lot better clarity in terms of what do I want for my career? Uh, what do I want to accomplish in the next year ahead? Doing things like hosting a podcast with you, hosting Social 545 with Saba, you know, all that's great because it's got me back on track. And, you know, like I said earlier on, for me, the first six months of the year, it was just kind of trying to discover myself. Things didn't work out, having to pivot, having to, again, look for work, finding a new job, getting settled in. Now I'm at a point where, you know, 2016 looks great because there's that clarity there that didn't previously exist. What about you, Tayo? <sighs> wow, what I've learned, uh, what I'm most proud of. What I'm most proud of is um, what I've done with, with UID Media, what I've done with this Told by Nomads. I, I don't celebrate, this is something that I have so bad at. I don't celebrate my successes enough. But um, I, you know, I was very proud of the fact that Inc. Magazine recognized as Told by Nomads as you know, number 25 in, one of the, in the top 100 podcasts that make you smarter, wiser. Um, and the reason why that was very, I was very proud of that was... Um, I, you know, I didn't have to do any PR for that. That, that was, you know, someone told me, you know, that someone sent me a Facebook message saying, hey, congrats on your show. Like, you did it again. I was like, wait, what? And I had to look at that. And I think those type of recognitions, um, you know, just they're really humbling. But it, it's really nice to see, um, you know, someone recognize your work. The other thing that I'm proud of is graduating. <laughs> I graduated with, with you know with an MBA and you know you know as much as I've said I learned more outside of school it you know it was something that I completed uh, you know and I you know it was was initially the reason I came even though I came to New York City for New York City it was one of the reasons I came to New York City and and I enjoyed seeing that that process through um you know I've gotten friends that I've made there and um and I I don't think I would have I would actually I know for a fact that I would not have gotten the idea for UID Media or to do other podcast if I didn't go to to Fordham because it was at Fordham that I got an invitation to go to an Arena Huffington event 
And at that Ariana Huffington event was where I got the idea to launch this Tobin Nomads, which led to all these other things. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm most proud of being recognized, uh, you know, by peers and also graduating. You know, so as we look ahead, Tayo, to 2016, what are some of your goals or New Year's resolutions in the year ahead? And what are you going to do to ensure your success? I want to meet at least two to three new people a week, online or physically. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a bit lofty, so <laughs> I might scale that down. But I want to at least meet three new people a month. Uh, let me put it that way. That's easier. But... Um, but uh, I, the reason I'm saying that is because I think that the more I learn about people and the more that I, I, I encounter all these people, the more I'm going to grow. Um, and, and just the more people I'm going to meet that could, you know, that could just, you know, you never know what could happen uh, in terms of making an impact. I think I'm, I'm going to do that a lot more. I'm also going to uh, speak, you know, I'm going to try and speak at a few more conferences or colleges, universities. I feel like I think I can do more impact speaking with you know youth like i'm saying youth like i'm old but (laughs) people that i i just i you know that i just graduated with you know i 2015 this year was the first year that i really started speaking in conferences and i I think i've spoken at four so far um you know i was proud of that as well but i've seen the most impact with with um you know my generation and early generation millennials who are trying to figure out what they want and who want to be able to, to see and hear from the peers? Because a lot of times they hear from people who they feel have made it. But um, I feel like I can make more of an impact to that. So I want to meet at least three new people a month. And I want to start speaking to more colleges. Um, and that's something I'm going to be very actionable about. And uh, seeing that I can make sure that I achieve. Well, I'll tell you what. You're in a great market for meeting people. And you know, I got to say, that's one thing that you know, I have to say is, is pretty cool about living out here in the Bay Area in San Francisco. It's a market... Just like New York, you got people coming in and out of town. It seems like every yeah. week for different conferences. Yeah. So I was gonna say you're in the same San Francisco, there, New York. There's no sh- there's no shortage. Yeah. Of meeting people, <laughs> it's it's not like we're somewhere in, in Iowa. No disrespect yeah. to anyone that lives in Iowa, but you know we're we're in the hubs that people always go in and out of. So that's one thing that's pretty cool. You know about both of our situations is again there's no shortage. You know to to meeting people. There's access. So these people coming in and out of town. So I think that's definitely a solid plan, my man. Yeah, no. I'm, you know what? You know what's crazy? We live in this. We take, we take so many things for granted. I've noticed I took so many things for granted. You live in San Francisco. I live in New York. Hustlers out there. Take all your opportunities you have and don't take things for granted. There's no reason why Carlos and I shouldn't be meeting um, VCs, businessmen, budding entrepreneurs and just picking their brains. There is no reason. We have no excuse. <laughs> no, I can't even think of an excuse. So, yeah, I, that, that's why, you know, I, I think... Um, so, so you basically, you just heard the call to action. If you are in New York or San Francisco, Tayo is volunteering us to meet with you. Yeah, basically. And, you know, the, the thing is, you don't even have to be in New York. I don't want people listening here thinking if they're in Iowa or, or you know, anywhere else. I think... Use the internet. Well, part of what I said, meeting people is online as well. You know, making introductions and making a list of people that I actively want to to know about, to learn from, and saying, "Hey, look, I love this that you did. I would love to, you know, have a fifteen minute talk with you. 
Stuff like that. You know, you can do that from anywhere in the world. And if you don't have the phone plan, get on Skype. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> Skype, get, get on WhatsApp. You don't have WhatsApp, get on Viber. There's no excuse. So, um, the, you know. I was going to say, this show is called Hustle Culture for a reason. So we will teach yeah. you how to hustle your way through the communication game, even if you don't have a cell phone or a way to get a hold of yeah. us. That's awesome, man. So, so you know, Maya, as we look to close out this episode of Hustle Culture, it's, it's really simple. You know, my goals are to motivate, educate, and inspire as many people as possible. And for me, it's going to be all about the content game. So podcasts, for example, it's creating content, eBooks, um, slideshare presentations, putting out more content, that people can take and say, you know what, I am a better professional today or I know how to do X because of Carlos and because of what I read or what I heard or what I saw. You know, for me, it's really important. And you talked about speaking, Tyle. For me, speaking is very important. Coming up this year, I'm going to be speaking at South by Southwest, which I'm very proud of, (laughs) social media marketing world. But I I tell you, for me – a big goal, and I want to do it this year, is speaking at a TED event. I want to give a TED talk, Me and too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know you do. That's that's on my it's on my goals list. It's on my to do list. Got yeah. 12, 12 months to make it happen. Maybe you and I can be at a TED talk event together. How cool? Would that yeah, be? you never know. I've said I said it last year. Within five years, so by the time I'm thirty, I want to have spoken at at least one TED talk. Um, and you reminded me. This is probably this is why it's good to always co-host shows. Obviously, what I do <laughs> is creating content, and my goal is to obviously build a network of content of podcasters. Um, so yes, like you, we we um, I want to also create content, um, bunch of content really because that's what i've been working on for the past year but I'm, I'm hoping to essentially create like uh you know hbo for you know or just for millennials and people all over the world you know when i say hbo i mean original content so it's always good to have a, a co-host because you forget your things but um yeah man i know you're gonna get a ted talk i mean you already got the south by southwest so you're on your way man yeah you know for me social media marketing world was a goal going into this year and i was able to scratch that box off and boom yeah, boom! I'll be I'll be doing it again. You know, coming up in April as a two time speaker there, and you know, South by Southwest was also one of those goals that I'll be able to to scratch off. So, you know, this coming year, hopefully, it's a TED Talk as well. And uh, you know, last is publishing books, and I say books plural because there's a lot of different projects out there and uh, people I'm collaborating with. You know, Tayo being one of them. So. Uh, again, it goes back to you know my main goal and my mission statement, which is to motivate, educate, and inspire as many people as possible. And as long as I'm doing that through various mediums, then I feel that I am successful. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm just slacking. And uh, right. ain't, ain't nobody yeah. got time for slacking. Fine-tune your goals, people. His goal is to motivate, inspire, and educate people all over the world. Mine is to help build the next set of global leaders by... Encouraging them to use their differences to make a difference and telling their true, authentic stories. So, you all out there, as we close out the year, what is one thing you want to tell people before we wrap this up? That's a really good one. One. That, That's a really one. good call to action, Tyo. I, I think that we should have a challenge out there for anyone that is listening to this. Shoot us a tweet. Tyo's on Twitter at Tyo Roxon. So am I at Carlos Gill eighty three. Send us a tweet. The show also has a Twitter handle, which is Bring the Hustle. 
And yeah, at Bring the Hustle. At Bring the Hustle. Yeah, let us know what you guys want to accomplish in this year ahead. And before we sign off, this is the last episode of Hustle Culture for this year, but join us in the year to come as we have many more guests and hustlers to share yeah. their story with us. Hey, hey, as uh, Los and I like to say, wherever you are, no matter what you're doing in the world, remember, you can use your difference to, to make, make a, difference. a difference. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> you're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill.